Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. Today we discover the letter V and play some games. We also talk about a new apocalyptic horror flick. It's time for Categorized. Oh yeah, it's that time we're talking Categorized and we are down to the letter V. Oh my gosh, we're so close. We are so close to being done this thing. And uh, this was, I think this was an easy letter for us. I agree. There's not a lot of V movies. There are more than like, I've seen more than five, but I wouldn't say that my top five are like all the greatest movies of all time. I have to do an honorable mention. Uh, Not an honorable mention off the top, just a disclaimer off the top. Sometimes even my movie buffdom it is missing some things. It's it has holes. And probably the biggest V film in the universe, which I'm certain is on your list. I haven't seen that Alfred Hitchcock movie, so why don't you tell me about that one, Ivana? Oh, you're right. So, uh Vertigo is definitely on my list. It's one of my favorites from Alfred Hitchcock. It's one of the movies you've given five stars on Letterboxd or one of the movies you've liked on Letterboxd because I've gone through your Letterboxd account and I've actually like put aside movies that you love and put it in my recommendations that I have to have to have to have to. And when I saw Vertigo was on there, I was like, how have I not seen Vertigo? I literally bought it the day I saw it on your list. That's awesome. I have not watched it yet. So I'm not going to get too involved in the plot of Vertigo because I think that this is a movie where actually like following along and wondering like what's going to happen next and being surprised by the twists that come into the plot. That's a big part of the viewing experience. So I hope that it hasn't been spoiled for you. No, no, no. I actually don't really know a lot about this movie at all. Great. I think it's better that way. It's a really like curious, like interesting Alfred Hitchcock in the sense that it's not like Psycho. Um, it's a little bit of a different story and a, t- and a little bit of a, of a different like tempo. It's it's quick it's a quick Alfred Hitchcock movie like it doesn't drag and I think that's why it's one of my favorites from him because some of his movies can drag and I find this one is just really like entertaining and eventful all the way through can't wait to watch it I'm gonna watch it this week and I will let you know my thoughts I'm so excited okay so one more other disclaimer there would have been two movies on this list had it not been for a little presentation before the V, and that is National Lampoons. There are two National Lampoons movies that I, I in my brain, think of them as N, not as V. So I did not add National Lampoons Vacation or National Lampoons Van Wilder, which I absolutely love. I did not add those to this. I agree. I think the National Lampoons movies, the title is National Lampoons. It's National Lampoons. And I want to I want to like let it have that. So I did not put those on. However, I am going to talk a little bit about the reboot that I think is underrated. 
National Lampoon's Vacation was amazing. It's a great summer film. But the reboot, Vacation, I thought was a hell of a lot of fun. I thought it was okay. Like, it was entertaining, and that's about it. I think I laughed. I laughed so much with Becky when I first saw it. And then the other honorable mentions on my list that I would have probably put above it, I don't have as good a memory as as this film. So I, I was like, look, Vacation's not going to make it into my top, but I'm going to put it on as a little subtle thing because I think it's hilarious. It's the idea that Rusty Griswold is taking his family on a trip. You get to see Chris Hemsworth be hilarious, which he is very funny. Yeah, he is. And I think he steals every scene he's in. But I, there's something about vacation. I don't know why I like this, but I do. Fair enough. Well, okay, then what's the first one that's on your official list if vacation is one that you oh, like no. but not quite sorry. there? Sorry, vacation is on my official list. Oh, Va- okay. Vacation made my official list of five because it's not National Lampoon's Vacation. And it is. You're right. The, two, the reboot is just Vacation. Well, there's three other movies that absolutely would have beat Vacation if I had a better sense of them. I know they're great films, but I don't go back to them. And I've gone back to Vacation a couple of times. Uh, can I ask what they are? When we get to our honorable mentions, you can, Ivana. All right. Trying to speed through here. <laughs> All right. I will give you my next one. So while you're talking about things that you don't remember, like 110%, this one isn't like, I, I remember how I felt watching the movie, but I don't, I don't remember the plot. And that is Vicky Cristina Barcelona, which just surprised the heck out of me. Like it was me too. Really and and fun that to is watch. one of those honorable mentions. Nice. I just, I, I remember how I felt. I remember it being excellent, but I don't, I haven't gone back to it. So I don't have it as a favorite because yes, yes. It, yeah. It's, the, it's not in there all the time. A hundred percent agree. That is exactly what is happening here. So, but Vicky, Christina, Barcelona, Starring Javier Bardem and Penelope Cruz and Scarlett Johansson as this really interesting thruple. Yeah. That's, a, that's what you say, right? Like they're a thruple. They're definitely a thruple, but like it's it's interesting. It's an interesting movie. Like you wave, you almost observe it. Do you know what I mean? Like I never yes, felt like I was one of them. I was something just observing. Unravel. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it's a fascinating thing to like enjoy kind of the peeping tomness of watching this thruple start and finish, you know, like go through the motions. All the things, yeah. All the and things. I, and I would, like I said, I would definitely have put that in and I'm glad you brought that up because my next one I think is on your list. Oh, nice. What is it? Vice. It's definitely on my list. Vice is a great Great film. Yeah, Christian Bale as Cheney. And, uh, you know, this, like the big short before, this Adam McKay kind of political, it's I, not satire, oh, but it's like... It, it's, but it kind it's, of is. It's like, yes. it's like It's like you actually get to see accurate depictions of history, but like in this satirization where it's... Through like, a comedic lens. 
Yeah, like certain aspects of it are warped slightly to give you like the comedy and to also help you to appreciate like just the ironies of life and how life can be really do two-sided almost, you know, good and bad. And, and the stark realities. Yes, exactly. It's such a great movie. I initially was not like completely drawn to it until I heard it was an Adam McKay movie. And then I was like, oh, no, I would watch that from Adam McKay. I mean, Amy Adams was delightful. Christian Bale disappeared from himself. Like he was not Christian Bale. Steve Carell and Sam Rockwell. I mean, you're just not going to go wrong. Sam Rockwell is so great as as W. Bush. Like he is, he's so good. I I can't believe that people aren't talking more about that performance. I think he's one of the most underrated actors. You know what I mean? Like he's so good. But people kind of forget about him a little bit. Like even though he won the Oscar for three billboards, like people just kind of forget. Like oh yeah, Sam Rockwell. Oh my God, Sam Rockwell's in this. I'm I'm excited to watch Sam Rockwell, <laughs> but. You kind of forget about him when he's not in the room. You know what it is? I think it's because he's not like a celebrity. He's just a very good actor, but he has a private, probably somewhat normal life. I hope so. I mean, I don't know what's going on behind behind doors, but uh, Vice arguably opens the doors of what happened during the Bush administration. And some of it is alarming and, and eye opening. But some of it is just spectacularly it, it, it never is not spectacularly interesting to watch, even yeah. if you're watching it going, oh, this is a strange thing happening. All of a sudden, these two lovers are having a Shakespearean moment, but it's never not interesting, even in its quirky, weird times. I think that's what I like the most about it. You this is like you learn so much, but you also really have a good time while you're learning. Because Ivana, you don't like history. Like your history lesson movies are you don't like those. Look, I actually love history, but it has to be told in an entertaining way. Like the traditional way that history is told very seriously with these like blue gray kind of coloring over them to make them look more stark like back then humans were not human exactly I it never gets me like I'm like I don't I'm not entertained by that I I want to learn all the facts but like in a way where we can poke fun at humanity maybe add a little bit of humor just make it entertaining all the way through. I love it. I love it. Uh, what is next on your list? Is there anything else on your list that you think is on my list? Because we got Vicky Cristina Barcelona, sort of. We got Vice, and uh, that's, that's kind it of so it far. so far. Um, I, th I think that V for Vendetta is going to be on your list. You are right. V for Vendetta is on my list. I love this film. This graphic novel on screen looks iconic. It sounds iconic. You got Hugo Weaving as this incredible masked man. And I just I just love the uh, the government story of, you know, governments. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. 
And it's, it's an uprising revolution story with a kind of superhero at the at the middle, at the center of the whole thing. I, I, I agree. This is just such an interesting intersection between dystopia and superhero story, you know? Um, a lot of dystopias are, are firmly rooted in the regularness of humans. Um, yes. And this time you now have this figure, this masked figure with a cape who, who's a crusader who is a figure who is fighting back. And uh, and I mean, let's be honest, this movie has made a mark on, on people in general. Like that mask is now iconic. It is a symbol of revolution. It is a symbol. Um, I mean, a lot of organizations have picked it up. The anonymous hacker group uses Guy Fawkes masks as a way to yes, illegally, but also heroically, write some justices in their own in their own way. Yeah, exactly. Like they are doing like he's doing. You know what I mean? Like he's not legal in the world that he's in, but uh, he still keeps going based on the system of morality um, and not letting leaders get away with it when they're corrupt. Um, and yeah, I believe I it has B. some sort of mix. Like, I, I think that and Scientology are somehow intertwined. Really? I feel like, and maybe I'm just remembering incorrectly, but I feel like Guy Fox masks are often worn in at Scientology protests. Oh, yeah. I think there's a, there's a, a, a thing where Scientologists don't want to be recognized, so they wear that mask. All right. Okay, I wasn't sure in what way or how, but yeah, that that makes sense. Or maybe it's the reverse. I don't know. It's Scientology. I don't know. I saw the documentary and was floored. I have read a few books. I think I've seen the same documentary or at least a documentary. I'm fascinated by by all of it. Uh, All right. I've got so I again get to go again because I guessed one of yours, right? Well, I guess one of yours, and that you guess one of mine, then I guess one of yours. So now oh, you. Oh, so go this again. is you. Oh, me. No, it's again. you. It's you. Mm. Uh, okay. The the last one that could possibly be on your list that is on mine, possibly. Varsity Blues. Nope, not on my list. All right, let's talk quickly about Varsity Blues. This is a high school teen flick with James Vanderbeek at the forefront. It is all about football. It's an MTV movie, which means they were allowed to do a lot of swearing and a lot of a lot of sex. And it wasn't it was one of the edgier teen movies of that the end of the 90s and early 2000s. And I I don't know what it was. I think it might have been the soundtrack, but I definitely identified with a guy who felt out of place and uh, was just trying to find his own way of becoming the hero and uh i i love i love james vanderbeek i love the stupid accent at the end when he's like i don't want your life like i i think it's ridiculous but i also think it's endearing and i i have lots of back and forth and go back more than forward go back to varsity blues enjoying this movie for its rich soundtrack its great characters and uh for a lot of bloody football scenes that I think are some of the better football scenes in football movies. 
I like that movie. Like, I find it very entertaining. And if it's on, I find it difficult to turn off because it is kind of cheesy but entertaining in its own way. Um, But the thing for me, I think, was that the movie took itself very seriously. It was very Very seriously. Yeah, like it was melodramatic and it took itself seriously. And I never I never understood how or why. Like I was like, this needs some levity. It takes itself too seriously given how melodramatic it is. It wasn't campy. And I think it it would have felt more sincere if it was just a little bit more campy. Totally fair. What's next on your list? I do not think you're going to guess my last one. Okay. I don't think this is your last one. That's for sure. Um, and that is a very Harold and Kumar Christmas. I went back and forth so much thinking, am I going to put this on? Am I not going to put this on? I Look, I watch it every Christmas. It's the Christmas movie that gets me into the spirit. And I love the Harold and Kumar trilogy. And I think it's a great third edition. But why is it on your list? So I'm not a big Christmas person. Right. Most people hate me for this. Like, I just don't. I'm not a big Christmas person. It's not for me. Um, But I love this movie. And it makes me, like, it's probably this and Home Alone. Those are my two Christmas movies (laughs) that I really like. And they couldn't be further apart. They couldn't be further apart. Well, and the Santa Claus. The Santa Claus is not bad. Okay, I've got three. Three Christmas movies that I like. Everything else, I could care less if I ever see it again. This is really fun. It's really funny. It goes all out, and it's it's just, it's over the top, and it's perfect. It might be one of my favorite of the Harold and Kumar series. I, it's my number two of the Harold and Kumar series over number two, because I think number two is out to lunch a little bit. The first yeah, one is I agree. Blast. First one is perfect. Harold and Kumar Christmas, perfect. Two, you could skip it. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I'm I'm with you. This uh this movie that you picked is actually like kind of an important movie in our friendship because we went to see it in theaters before it opened. Uh, mm-hmm. and it was opening in no like November. And I remember it was the very first time that I ever got into the Christmas spirit early. And you and I had an absolute great time at the movie. And I, I just remember going like, am I in the Christmas spirit now? They shot Santa Claus in the face. How am I in the Christmas spirit? <laughs> but by God, I was. Uh, the drug trips in it were just so funny. Like when they turn into like claymation. Claymation. Oh, uh, so good. When he when he yells like, oh, Clay Cox. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My last one is the 1960s sci-fi pick. Village of the Damned. I don't even think you've seen this. You know what? I totally have seen it. I kind of forgot about it. I don't know, but but it wouldn't be on my list. Village of the Damned is really interesting because it it's kind of relevant. It sort of is a giant sexual assault that turns into all these pregnancies and they happen while an entire town is unconscious and that yeah. results in these kids and the kids are all very special. And they're aliens or something. We never really like find out exactly what they are. But I think they're aliens. I think they're aliens too. And they're very sinister and. And they're also weirdly perfect. They're creepy. Like they are creepy. creepy. Perfect. And the best part about this is 
when you're watching a, a black and white movie, it's interesting when they show some new effects. And what they did with the kids' eyes is all they did is they flipped the negative of the black and white so that their eyes look like they glowed. Now, I saw the remake by John Carpenter, and they made their eyes like white and then green and then red and then all this. Yeah. It is way creepier with the black and white negative, in my opinion. I agree. I've seen both, and I think the original is better. The original is way better. I I watched both, and I watched them both back to back, and I got to say, like, everything about the original is more interesting. It's a quick, like, 80-minute movie. It is a perfect summer movie if you're looking for something interesting and different to watch. I, I say you watch this. Remember, it's the 1960s, so... This was a brand new generation to a generation of parents who did not understand their kids growing up in a different kind of world post-war. And they're, they're, there's fears around like this new crop of baby boomers, basically. And, right. I, and I, I just I love the film. I think it's great. So is this it? Are we choosing now? I think we're choosing now, and uh, I am not ready. I'm not ready to choose. Oh wow, wow. Okay, what what's what are the ones that you're like the most torn by? And then I'll tell I, you I'm, the ones I'm, I'm torn, torn by. between V for Vendetta and Village of the Dam. Okay, I'm torn between V for Vendetta and Vertigo. Okay, and I'm Vice. gonna go V for and Vendetta. Vice. I'm going V for Vendetta. Ah. Uh, I'm going Vertigo. Yeah, definitely. I'm really I'm, glad that you went Vertigo because I haven't seen it and I feel terrible that I haven't seen it. So I'm so glad you picked it and that it is like rightly so in the world of V's as one of the best. Yeah, yeah, definitely. On that honorables mention list for me, obviously we talked about Vicky Cristina Barcelona. I'm also going with The Virgin Suicides, which I've seen. I've I, never I seen it. I love the soundtrack to it, but I just don't remember the story or the movie very well. And there's a film called The Visitor, which I loved when I saw it. I haven't seen it since. And again, I just I feel like I don't have enough of it in my brain. Is The the Visitor the one from uh, 2015, like the scary movie? No, no, no. I think that one is. Oh, no, visit. that's The Visit. And The Visitor was an interesting film. It's actually about immigration. And it came out, I, I think it came out in like 2009. Okay. Uh, 2007. It came out in 2007. It's by the director of Spotlight, which, as you know, is like one of my absolute favorite movies of all time. And, uh, and yeah. And then just for fun, because I, I actually do go back to it a lot for a V movie, Van Wilder, The Rise of Taj, which is the sequel, <laughs> which does not have a National Lampoon's logo in front. It does is, not. You're right. It is kind of great, uh, but I would never have thrown it in to my top five. So, Jay, um, I guess we're going to take a little bit of a break coming up um, because you're going to you're going to take a little break from life and and technology and you're going to do some self-care for a week. That's really it. I I feel I feel technically techno burnt out. Um, always in front of a screen of some kind, and I just 
I needed a week. I talked to my boss. I was like, I, I've got some vacation time. You mind if I take it? Cause I need it. And she was like, totally no problem. Definitely watch that mental health. And you know, you can only be in one room for so long, really like eight hours a day in this den is tricky. Like it's a tricky thing to be in. And you know, I go out and I go to get the mail and walk around the block or whatever, but I just, I need to see people. I need to get out. So like, I'm going to go see my parents. I'm going to go see my brother. I'm going to go see Becky's family. Like just, just go see some people at a socially responsible distance, but like just start the process of being out of the house a little more. We have kind of done the same. I mean, not too much. And I get it. Like the, that's the thing. It's like, we are so far into this. It's been months where yes. we're just home most of the time. And that does kind of like weigh on you. I am starting to feel that cabin fever. Yes. Indoors. So, yeah. So we're going to just take uh, take a little bit of time off. After this episode, we'll come back with a new episode shortly. But, um, you know, I don't want to put an exact timeline on it, but probably like a couple weeks. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because we've got some momentum. You know, we don't want to leave you hanging or anything, but uh, everybody needs to do some self-care, guys. What I'm kind of excited about, not to get ahead of ourselves, but we're going to be talking about a movie called The Divide later, which is very much a, a movie that deals with how your mind can break when you're just like stuck in a single location for an extended period. And uh, and so I, it was a pretty appropriate movie. I'm really happy that we watched it this week while we're kind of like in that moment of this pandemic where we're feeling a little claustrophobic. Exactly. And you know what? What more can you ask for? Right. Like we're all just trying to get through the days. <laughs> yeah. These are some quarantine games. Oh my gosh, it's my favorite time. We're going to do another BuzzFeed survey. I love these BuzzFeed surveys, by the way. Like, I was skeptical when you brought this to the table. I was like, how are we going to do it? Yeah. now, I love them. I think they're a lot of fun, and they're just silly little diversions. And honestly, I just feel like I need that this week. So, uh, the first quiz that I have brought to the table, I think is perfect for us, Jay. All right, what is it? It's Star Wars themed. Um, Yes. All right. So uh, we're about to take the Who is Your Sith Soulmate quiz, which you can find in the show notes if you want to try your own. But let's start this off. So, Ivana, we're both going to do this at the same time, but I'm going to ask, which do you prefer, the beach or the mountains? Beach. Mountains. Oh, what's your weapon of choice? Blaster gun or lightsaber? I, I I think the lightsaber. I I've been shooting. I shot at one point, and I was a terrible shot. So, I think the lightsaber is what I'm gonna pick. I love shooting and guns. It's yes, a weird thing, but I do love them. I don't know what to say. Uh, but I'm gonna go lightsaber too because who wouldn't want a lightsaber? Those are such amazing weapons. Exactly. So, what kind of fashion sense do you prefer? Something simple and comfortable, or something formal and elegant? 
simple and comfortable. Hundo As we peace. both sit here in our comfy cozies. <laughs> exactly. Would you rather work for someone or be your own boss? I'm good with working for someone. I can be the Chewbacca to your Han. I like to be the boss. I That is my <laughs> preferred thing. <laughs> Why do you hate sand? It's coarse. It's rough. It's irritating. I don't hate sand. Yeah, I don't hate sand. I uh, I think it is coarse. Oh, interesting. Pick a quote. So this is how liberty dies with thunderous applause. Do you have something, a, a towel or something you can put on? Light, darkness, a balance. I'm not afraid to die. I've been dying a little bit each day since you came back into my life. Uh, I'm going with, uh, do you have something, a towel or something? Oh, I like it. Uh, I'm going with, I'm not afraid to die. That's a good line. Pick a color, blue, red, purple, or gold. Red. Blue. Oh, I got my favorite. I got the one I wanted. I think you, did you get Kylo? Yeah, I got Kylo. I got Kylo. I felt like ours were just different enough that maybe we wouldn't match again. Yeah, but here we are matching. Or does everyone get Kylo? Like, is there maybe a BuzzFeed conspiracy? Don't say that. That is a conspiracy. Don't say that. (laughs) All right, so we both got Kylo Ren. Sure, Kylo has some unresolved angst issues and a ridiculously high-waisted pair of pants, but... You can bet the force bond between you two would be unbreakable. Go That's for nice Kylo. to know. That's just nice to know. Adam Driver's so good in it. All right. Our second is, which you sent to me, so now I know, which job that no longer exists would you be perfect for? I'm I'm very excited because I didn't read what jobs are even on the table. And I think that's going to be the fun of this quiz is like hearing some sort of like job that is from like the real olden days. Well, if your conspiracy is true, we're both going to get like something stupid like shoe cobbler. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. So actually, that's still a job. That's still a thing. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? And these are sliders for those who are just listening along and maybe you're going to play along later. I'm going to go halfway towards extrovert, but not all the way. Oh, I see. And I'm going to go halfway towards introvert, but not all the way. I like it. Are you a morning person or a night person? Ooh. All right. Well, I'm going to go all the way to morning. I'm going to go all the way to night. (laughs) (laughs) Do you prefer repetition or something new every day? I'm going to go almost all the way to something new. I'm going to go almost all the way to repetition. We are opposites. Yeah. Um, Do you prefer to set your own deadlines or have deadlines created for you? All the way to have them preset. I like to go slightly towards set my own. Would you classify yourself as more right-brained or left-brained? I always get confused which one is which. Is that bad? Which one is the one that's more creative? Okay, so the right brain is more visual and uh, is known as the creative side. I think I'm going to go with right brain, even though I don't know if my if it's visual, but 
it's more creative. I, I'm going to go all the way over to right brain or most of the way. I'm going to go just a little slightly into right brain. Would you prefer a job where you sit or stand? Mm, I like to do both, but I more like to sit. So I'm just going to slide it a little into the sitting. I'm, I'm actually copying you for this one. I agree. I like to do both, but a little more sitting. Would you prefer a job that allows you to meet new people or see the same people every day? Ah, I like meeting new people, but I, like I also like people. stability. I'm going to go slightly towards meeting new people, but not too far. Like very, almost in the middle. Yeah, I'm going to do the same. Would you prefer a job with long hours and easier work or short hours and harder work? Ooh. I'm going to go a little short hours and harder work. If I get shorter hours, I, I don't mind a challenge if I'm like out by noon. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I agree. Shorter hours, hard, harder work. That sounds fun. Also, I don't know what harder means to this quiz. Does harder mean I have to lift <laughs> 80 pounds above my head every five seconds? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> All right. Do you enjoy tinkering? Oh, yeah. I'm a tinkerer. Yes. 100%. All the All way. The way. Uh, do you consider yourself artistic? I I don't. I guess I am, but... You totally are. Are you crazy? You're so I artistic. I but I don't consider... It It says, do you consider yourself? And I don't really... It's like really. you're so big and good at graphic design that I feel like that alone... But, I, I'm, you know, gonna I'm go just like, going to go a little over the artistic, not artistic, just a little. Okay. I'm going to go like halfway to the very artistic. I think I'm like a medium amount of artistic. Do you like getting your hands dirty? I No, not really. No, <laughs> I, I don't hate it though. So I'm just going to go halfway to the no, but yeah, no, yeah, I don't want to get my hands dirty. Like who wants, I, I want to deal with my tech. I don't want dirty hands. Also, like, let's be honest, maybe we should go further into the no, because like, think about like if you had dirty hands, like right now, especially with COVID, no way. No, I no don't way. want that. I don't want exactly. that at all. That sounds yeah. terrible. All right. Last question. Do you prefer to work indoors or outdoors? Okay. So this guy, the, the image they give us is of a guy on a cliff with a laptop. That <laughs> yeah. is not what I want at all in my life. <laughs> if I had a, a view to the outside, that would be fine. I think I'm an indoors. I'm an indoors. I, I'm going to like not, I'm going to go most of the way, but not all, all the way. Me too. All right. Let's see if your conspiracy theory holds water. Wow. Interesting. Uh, I got something called a haberdasher. Okay. I got something else that I actually like think I'd be amazing at. And it's a, it's a phone board operator. Okay. Tell me about your job. How do you feel about connecting lines? Sure. This job can seem a bit repetitive, but that really just means you'll know what to expect every day. It's a fast paced job that doesn't require deadlines, quotas, or being on your feet. It sounds perfect for you. You know what? It does sound perfect for me. If there are jobs where I can do this, I'm going to go do this. <laughs> well, I guess it doesn't exist anymore. All right. So I, I got haberdasher. Never heard of it. Well, actually, that's a lie. I've heard of it, but I don't know what it is. Um, 
compared to other jobs you could have gotten in this quiz, a haberdasher's job is slow-paced, is a slow-paced profession in the cool air conditioning. You'll be oh. in charge of selling sewing notions and small items. It's it not much, awful. but it's honest work. Yeah, it sounds horrible. <laughs> Sales? What am I doing here? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that one. I, I that's amazing though. I, I really like these BuzzFeed quizzes. This one's this one's special. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to save this and you know you when the get apocalypse Becky to comes. Do it. When the when the apocalypse comes after everybody walks out, I'm gonna be a phone board operator. Abadasher. <laughs> Abadashery. Speaking of apocalypse, let's go to our next segment. It's Film Freaks. Chatter for the film fan and all of us. Last week, we watched a recommendation from a listener just like you guys who are listening to us right now. Richard, who has also been a longtime listener, he asked us to see a movie called The Divide from 2011. And boy, did we ever. Yeah. This movie opens with a big explosion and residents of an apartment building running down to the basement while they see this man sealing himself into a bunker. They barge in and then the man seals himself with them inside. Immediately, this man named Mickey, the superintendent, begins to bark orders. No one is to open that door. Everyone is to remain inside until radiation levels are normalized. This is all well and good, but the bunker residents are bored and they want to resume their normal life as soon as possible. After some time has passed, we get to know the people in the bunker a little bit better. And that's when a welding torch breaks through the door and men in radiation suits come and take a small girl and then leave. Yeah, they leave all right, but not after losing one of their own to the bunker residents and Adrian getting shot. And now that they know that people are out there, one of them, Josh, decides that he's going to suit up and go and see if he can help and find the missing girl. What he finds is that there's an entire tunnel of plastic leading to the bunker and the girl appears to be dead after having her head shaved. As time goes on, the bunker residents turn on each other. The mistrust ends with Mickey accidentally killing another resident, at which point he's tied to a chair and then placed in quarantine away from the other residents. This is when things start to go sideways. Marilyn, the girl's mother, has started giving up her body to Josh and Bobby, the new leaders of the bunker. Eva, who is engaged to Sam, is worried about what is happening in the bunker as the new leaders slip further and further into madness. She's also starting to have romantic feelings for Adrian, even though her own fiancé Sam is in the bunker with her too. Everything leads up to a very violent ending and a stark realization that nothing will ever be normal again. And we're going to talk about that film ending for sure. But you should know... That there are way more spoilers ahead, even more than anything we've said so far. Jay, what did you think of this movie? Okay, so after I watch a movie, I usually immediately try to log it on my letterbox. And when I went on, I was really surprised because this movie is like around the three star rating on Letterboxd. And I I think it's better than that. I think it's a it's definitely a horror film. Definitely. It is. It seems so ridiculously relevant today. 
Yeah, it's kind of funny. And more importantly than all of that, like I was I was very much riveted from start to finish. And at one point I thought, oh, this is what this movie is. And then it totally went in another direction that I was like, this is not what I this. Wow. This is not what it is. Um, so I got to say, like, I, I, I think three and a half, four stars is where this should likely live. It's. It's it's got a okay score that sometimes is weird. It's got a strange playing with uh, with sound and the pacing is a little bizarre sometimes. The passage of time um, is strange. I, like I have no idea how long they've been down there. And I I like that actually. That's one of the things I think that the movie did really well was that you know you get the sense that they've been down there for a long time, but you just have no idea how long that long time is. Absolutely, there's just so much that happens in that bunker. And when the the score, it's sort of like a piano acoustic melody. Whenever it strikes up, you kind of go through like a little montage of time passing, but you don't really know how much. You just know where they started from and where they end and how different that is. Right. I, I think actually, let's talk about time for a second because... That is the one thing that I think this movie does just perfectly because sometimes, you know, short episodes will feel really long within yeah. the bunker. Um, and then other times you get this sense that days have passed with nothing happening, like no events. And then all of a sudden one afternoon there are these intense events that we – that like – they're so big in the world of this bunker. And I think that that's really true to what it's like to live basically quarantined in your home. Um, you know, like sometimes you feel like, oh my gosh, time is going by so fast. So many things happen today. And then there will be large swaths of time where nothing happens and it all blurs together into like a nothing. And so I, I was very impressed by that. I think the movie did that really, really well. I, I think this movie was well directed. Especially for 2011, not having the the knowledge of quarantine that we have now, knowing those days meld together, knowing those the, the, the time doesn't, it, it's not normal time. Yeah, time speeds up and slows down like and you never you never feel like you're ahead of it or on top of it. I see the sun. These people did not see the sun. Think about how much worse that would feel Way if worse. you never had sun. Yeah, I I agree. I think uh I think the director did a pretty great job with this film. When I say it, I thought it was going to start a certain way and stay that way. I thought this was going to be like a couple of days or a race against the clock kind of feeling thing. And, and I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. This is like, uh, those other movies where there's an emergency and they're just in an emergency situation. That is not what happens. It is days and days turn into months and months. It may have been a year. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think it would be more than a year. No, I don't think it would be more than a year. No, no. But what we do know is that after the events of these men in radioactive suits who break into this place 
into the bunker and take this child. No one is ever the same way again. Yeah, that was definitely one of one of the shifts. Like up until the the bunker and and the men in suits come into the bunker. You know that there was an explosion, so you get this sense like, oh, is this like a terrorist attack or something like is that the movie that we're going to watch? And I agree. It starts and you think this is going to be a race against the clock movie where they need to either stay in there for a certain amount of time or and like while other people go crazy and want to exit, thus leading to radiation poisoning. But it it doesn't like and and it really sets you up to believe it. You know, like you have really does Mickey character being like, all right, I'm taking control. I'm a man. Then you've got Rosanna Arquette being like, I'm the mom character. Look at my child. I'm so motherly. Like everybody was this like two dimensional caricature of the type of people that you see in movies where people are locked together. And what happens with these characters is that we watch not only immense growth, but profane growth and disturbing growth. And the madness that overcomes these these people stuck in the bunker. Josh and Bobby, I don't know if they were friends. I don't know if they were lovers. I don't know what they were at the beginning, but at the end, they are monsters. They they're they are rapists they take what they want they are bullies and and psychotic they they do not care about killing they are they're completely changed and they they shave down their heads and they look grotesque and well, yeah, like they shave their heads because I guess they're losing their hair because they got uh, because when the door started to get opens, radiation poisoning. That's right. So the ra- and that's the other thing. The radiation poisoning throughout the film is affecting everybody physically. In the beginning, they look normal. And then by the end, you have patches of hair coming out, bags under people's eyes like people just don't look good. Uh, yeah, I want to say like to just go backwards a second, like when those people in hazmat suits broke in everything just completely changed like the the whole movie shifted to a whole new place like, and i was why like why did they take the girl and what were they doing and that's the thing is the film never answers it they never answer that question and and it is interesting like when you see her she's like it's like they've experimented on her she's definitely dead i feel like that's um, i think for so sure too. yeah why did they take the child like the whole thing is very weird and interesting like i love the visuals of him going in through to to find wendy the girl um because it looks really cool clean yeah what is it that like plastic wrapped all the way through i don't know it's like the stuff they use when they took et and there was like a plastic tunnel yeah and so the plastic tunnel looked really cool but i was like how long have they been in there already that there's already these plastic tunnels and and why like i couldn't make sense of it so even though it shifted the movie in an unexpected way and i like that i still am grappling with what was going on there i see this the what like it affected the rest of the movie and i i think i like that 
But I, I don't know that I think this whole like invasion makes sense exactly. Does it make sense to you? Did you like it? No, I don't understand it at all. All I know is that it it changes everything because now there is no out because they weld them back shut. Yeah, so and they get back into that, that bunker. Like Josh goes out, he discovers the girl, you know, he gets back into the bunker and then they're all welded shut. So there's no door ever for them to open. That's right. And so when Mickey accidentally kills Devlin, who is a, I, I, I mean, Devlin's kind of like an army guy. He, he, he seems like the one who's going to have the best leadership. Yeah. I was just going to say everything would have been better if he, Devlin got to lead from the beginning and you kind of get this sense. And then when he dies, you're just like, oh, fuck. what now? Like, and then immediately Josh and Bobby secure Mickey to a chair. And then, and then they accuse him of having more rations and more food than they cut off his finger. So he'll, he'll give them the combination. To that was like a crazy, that like that, that escalated so fast, so fast. And then, and then Josh and Bobby basically take over the rations of what's left of food. Yeah, they just kind of like declare themselves kings together yes. because they, they overthrew Mickey. At which point, like Marilyn just, who is absolutely broken by the death of her daughter, just like giving herself at the beginning, giving herself to these men because she sees that like uh, this is going to happen at some point, I think. Is what she feels is going to happen. I didn't interpret it that way. But before we get into her, I just want to take like a second. When Delvin died, other yep. than the fact that like he he should have been the one to stay alive the most. Yes. Like he would have been the best leader. He was cool, level headed, smart, had skills, the whole nine. Um, did you think like, oh, shit the one black man in the movie and they decided to like kill him. Well, I guess second, but basically first. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. Like last year I watched horror noir, the history of black representation in horror. And one of the things is always like, Oh, they always kill off a black person. And I was like, Oh man, like the leader here, he's pretty good and he's black. And I was like, I wonder if they'll do that again. Because at the beginning, you got to understand, I thought this was an action movie. I yeah, did not I agree. I, th- I thought it was an action movie as well. Or like uh, a trapped in isolation. Yeah, something. like a survival film, right? Yes, yes. And it and it goes full-blown horror. And then he dies, and I was, I was just like, well, shit. Like, I did not... I didn't think they'd do that. To me, like, it was very clear that they were going to start killing each other. Yes. But I did not think the film, like, I was not expecting the way that it all came out, the killing. Like, the representation after Devlin dies is a bunch of white people in a bunker. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, then it becomes something else because now you have a couple of bodies laying around and these bodies need to be disposed of because the smell is too much. So who is taking an axe to to these bodies? And it becomes Bobby because Bobby, I guess, is a little bit psychotic. I don't know. Maybe he just wanted something to do. I don't know because I'm not in a bunker. But he jumped up to volunteer quick. 
just like the representation of things is very interesting in this movie. And like both Josh and Bobby, even from the very beginning when they're all trapped together, have a lot of toxic masculinity, like a lot of it. I was trying to get at that at one point when I was writing the, our our like quick recap. And I was like, "Ah, I don't need to talk about this. Toxic masculinity will come up. And they are like the macho guys. But at the same time, I think they were I, I think they were by at the beginning of the movie, at least. Oh, yeah. I, I also think that they are definitely um, there's definitely some elements of sexual tension in their relationship that was immediate, like immediate. Mickey kept calling them word that I don't want to say on the podcast, but kept on calling them derogatory things for gay people. Oh, yeah, the F word. Yeah, the F word. And I was like, well, damn, like, are they gay together? Because it they're also like these really crazy macho guys. Or maybe they were gay and in a closet. Like, yeah, like you just you didn't know what was going on with that. And I, I that one aspect of the relationship, I think, was a smart choice. And I enjoyed that choice um, because whatever it, that choice, they do abandon it. Kind of. But it, they go back to it at the end. I feel like they have when they. So just to go back to Marilyn again, um, like they fuck her to death, I feel like. Yes. They, they be, they, she basically becomes like a dog that they do whatever they want to together. And the two of them yes. doing it together, I think, is what excites them the most about it. And so I feel like even there, there's nothing abandoned about the sexual tension between these two men. And well, certainly not Bobby when Bobby comes on to Sam. Right. At the yeah. End. Like, I think when Bobby comes on to Sam and then he's kind of cross-dressing, right? He's wearing that yes. uh, lingerie slip and panties. And so I, I think that that was the thing that they were trying to get at is you have two bisexual guys who maybe have never really explored it, or maybe they have, you don't know, who are also toxic, like have all the worst parts of toxic masculinity. Like they're too much bravado, too little thought. They're not thinking about people. They're it's, they really believe that this is like a dog eat dog world. And when they shave off their hair and eyebrows and stuff, they kind of remind me a little bit of how, the people looked in Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Like there was just something that I'm like, oh yeah, like this is the psychosis that comes with radiation and these, and and really just horribleness. And after they've like, they've killed Marilyn, you know, even before that, Josh has his eyes really set on, on doing something similar to Eva who is our strong protagonist who is, is the moral compass of the film. She is the moral compass of the film. And also I would say definitely the, the lead character. Um, but you don't really even come to know this fully. Like the beginning of the film lets every character get set up and takes its time with that and she does not have a front row seat like she's not the main focus in the very no. beginning it's about that halfway point after when the hazmat suit people come in where she quickly starts to run away and she's hiding on her own and you start to see things more and more 
through her eyes. And one of the one of the interesting choices that they make is at the beginning of the film, you don't know anything about anyone. You're starting to pick up stereotypes. You're starting to like put your own personal bias on people of of who you think they are. And as the story goes, little pieces are brought out. So at one point, you realize Sam is a lawyer and a master litigator, but he is afraid of everything in this bunker. And uh, on the flip of the coin, he screams at Eva that she was a drug addict in the streets, which at this point, you would never think that. That just didn't hit right with me. Like, it felt inauthentic. So there's a lot of this, like, discovery of who they were before. And it's, to your to what you just said, it, it lands for a second and then it's abandoned because now they are different people. They are not those people anymore. Nobody is those people anymore. I also didn't feel like I, I got that much about their previous lives. Like, I never really quite understood who Josh and Bobby were before. They were just, uh, I don't just know who like they were. They just like douchebags. Adrian you know, like the was the guy who lived below Eva and played a guitar. She loved his guitar. I get the sense that he's roommates with his brother. Um, yeah. And you get to know Adrian a bit because there is that whole love story between Eva and Adrian. Which um, also feels interesting and intriguing and dangerous. Yeah, I mean... I I was okay with it. Like, I actually thought that added a lot to the story because she has her fiancé there in the bunker watching her fall for this other guy. Clearly doesn't love anymore. At one point, he he tries to have sex with her while she's having a breakdown, which is strange and scary. And I'm like, what's about to happen here? And then she pushes right. him down. And he, he can't even d- deal with anything anymore. Well, and that's part of it, too, is like I feel like if I was a toxic masculinity, like promoting person, you know what I mean? Because there are people who are like that. They think that's how men should be. They should be stoic. They should fight. They should be all these things. If I was one of those people and I wanted to belittle another type of guy, a guy who isn't so traditionally alpha male, that's how I feel like Sam was written and even just the way that Eva falls out of love with him. Oh, I got nice because, guy written all over that guy. Yeah, but like he he's not written like nice guy, like internet nice guys like what you're talking about. Like because I think he's written like a weak willed pussy for lack of a better term, even though I don't like that term. But after but she I, rejects him, he resorts to calling her names. And I'm like, shit, that's very like Internet nice guy. Like he should have been the first one to die because he was not that necessary other than that he added a complication because she was engaged to him. Well, and those are the the horror elements that I really was astonished by is when he said he was going to go take care of something for Eva and he ends up sitting at a table playing truth or dare and barking like a dog for scraps. And, And that visual of Josh becoming this king in his own mind, those are the terrifying things that result in Eva being told she has to chop the head off Devlin, who is dead. Right. Which is another horrifying scene. It's all just 
crazy sad and and horrifying. Yeah. And I I know I'm backtracking a lot, but I I also want to say something about Marilyn. I was not happy with how that character existed in this film, period. From from the beginning when she was mother stereotype. Yeah. Except for that one scene where she tells Eva that like the child kind of kept her on the straight and narrow. Yeah. Um to the way that she just immediately flips having a, a very like um sexually destructive like needing to have that like almost like she had a sex addiction and now she's succumbed to it again but then it turns on its head when she no longer is participating in it in her own self-destruction now it's like get against her like she's now stopped being a participant in her demise now she's just a victim i just don't like any of it if I'm being really honest, I didn't like the choices. I didn't think that they quite made sense. And it made me very sad that that's what was written, I guess. Fair enough. I I mean, I didn't like watching any of it, but I also felt like it was all a part of this apocalyptic cautionary tale of this is, this is the new world. And, you know, Eva flees the bunker at the end. She goes down into the, she breaks the toilets, goes into the septic tanks and climbs up a ladder. And, and I, I hoped I really did. Like, I don't know why I expected this. I hoped when she climbed out of that ladder, everything that we saw before this and all the horrible shit that happened in that bunker was like, she was going to get rescued or something good could come of it. And that's when you discover exactly where you are because you don't know what city they're in. Right. And you discover that it was New York City. And she's staring at whatever remains of the Brooklyn Bridge. And it's desolate. There is not one person who is alive around her. And it's just going to be more, more of this. More pain. Yeah, yeah, it's a very uh, just bleak ending. Like, now what am I going to do? Normally, I don't like this kind of film. Normally, I look at this film and I'm like, this is gross. First of all, Richard, thank you for recommending it to us. Agreed. I mean, as you can see, there's a lot to unpack in this movie. I I don't know how I recommend this to anyone. Yeah, well, like, and I'm not going to lie, I... When you said that in Letterboxd it's a three, I'm like, yeah, that tracks. That 100% tracks because so you can tell from watching this movie, some people are going to love it. Um, yeah. And, and other there were people, those people. Yep. And some people are going to hate it. And you're going to end up with a score that's in the middle. That is fair. Yes. Because I think people, like we were talking about, go in with the expectation of this is an action thriller going to be a survival film i've seen these before i know what to expect you right. do not know what to expect what do you think of the ending really quickly mm-hmm. of of josh's ending because it ends in this way where there's a second gun and sam gets the gun in a oh, very yeah, that's a, cowardly it's a pretty way. exciting powerful like the ending is insane how much happens it's so i loved the ending to be honest because you have me Sam, too actually who is pointing the gun and doesn't know what to do and eva yeah. is saying give the gun to adrian but adrian is the person she's fallen in love with and sam is her fiance 
And he's been jealous and watching it the whole time. And then you have like a very powerful Josh and Bobby like going after him basically. And he shoots Adrian, which is this horrible but predictable thing that you knew Sam was going to get his revenge at the one person who didn't deserve it. Right. And the worst part, too, is that Adrian, because he's brothers with Josh and Josh loves his brother. To be honest, Adrian's the reason why Eva is alive, because yes. his brother knows that he loves him and he sees what's going on with them. So he's like, OK, with it. And 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 without Adrian, as soon as he dies, you're like, well, now there's nothing holding like uh, Josh back. And Josh goes full crazy on Sam beating him within an inch of his life. I thought he was dead. Like I thought he beat him to death, but then he didn't like you find out later. He was still sort of alive and Eva ends up getting the gun and she runs back because I thought she would shoot one of them. But she runs back and unties Mickey, who then shoots Josh. That was surprising. I agree. Like when that happened as well, like you saw her flip the switch and decide something different. And then she like frees Mickey. You're like, okay, she's going to she and Mickey are going to escape together is what I thought at that point. Um, But then she abandons everyone left to burn in an inferno that Josh starts. Yeah, like this it, is the thing that's crazy. It's like crazy. even in the ending, each step of that progression surprised me. Like I did not expect the next thing that happened. That's right. And that's why I think I enjoyed it. I think sitting there with like my my jaw was dropped with some of the decisions that were made. And you know, Eva going to try and seduce Josh So that she can distract him while Sam goes to get the gun. And I mean, did I don't know what happened really in that room. It looked like Josh was maybe raping her, but it also looked like he couldn't get it up. It also looked like he couldn't get it like get it going in order to do that. So I don't know if he. Oh, I thought I figured I thought he got started and then and then it very quickly ended. It was awful like it was awful Eva is trying to like throw herself on the sword so that Sam can do this and Sam is failing on all accounts right and and just another reason how Sam is failing his fiance through the whole film like I've got the gun oh okay you've got the gun what are you doing and then he drops the gun he's the yeah when he drops the he's the word but that's the thing that I don't like too is he's very one note Um, Adrian, he's very, everybody, you know what? All the characters, like you say that they're all changed and that they're different than they were. That's my problem with this film. Ultimately is I don't see that, you know, Josh and, uh, Bobby were always unstable and bullies and toxic masculinity. I place my unconscious bias on these people at the beginning. You know, I I imprint on them a certain way because I've seen so many movies and I think so many things. And when I watch Josh go from, I'll do my best to bring your daughter home. He's like 
the Ben Affleck Armageddon hero at that moment. I did not think so. He was hot-headed. He, before he ever stepped up to do that and to say, I'll do my best to bring your daughter home, he did a lot of stupid, asshole, inane things. He was always angry. He got into that fight. Like, he was a loose cannon in the beginning, just like he was at the end. The only difference is you add time in a bunker resulting to madness. Yeah, I get, and that's what I'm saying is that I think I imprinted things that I saw differently than you did. Really? You saw him as a good guy in the beginning? I, I saw him as a guy down there trying to take the lead. Um, obviously, he was angry when Mickey pulled an axe on him, and I was like, yeah, he's reacting like anybody would if somebody like played that way. And I always thought like, okay, maybe he'll be the guy who No way. He, who he helps. was such a loose cannon. Like immediately I was like, okay, he's a bad guy. Because I imprinted that Mickey was the bad guy from the beginning. I genuinely thought he's just this asshole. Like especially the way he was talking to the little girl. Because the other thing too is you didn't really, like we knew there was a blast, but we didn't know what actually happened. I genuinely no, yeah. didn't think. That had happened at the end of the film. Agreed. Completely agreed. Um, so, I mean, which brings us back to being in quarantine where, like, there are lots of people who think that we should just be living our normal lives. It's not as big a deal. And, and you know, we can go out there. Let's get out there. Let's go do things. Let's get back to normal. And that is entirely what the bunker people are trying to do in some cases. Some are like... Staying put, we should, I want to listen, blah, 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 blah. And some are like, let's go ahead and do everything we want to do. And it was always worse than they thought. Right. Which means this was a great pandemic movie. This is like a fantastic, fantastic pandemic movie. I thought what we got with most of these characters was shocking. I think I didn't. But that explains it. So like that's the big difference. That's the divide between us, Jay. Yeah, that is the divide between us. Because when I watch other survivalist movies, I'm like, how bad can it get? This is the worst I've ever seen it get. Yeah, this is Lord of the Flies uh, to a whole new level. <laughs> Richard had mentioned he saw this at a midnight screening at a festival. Is probably TIFF? probably TIFF. And probably TIFF. Probably some horror stuff, right? And yeah. maybe even presented by the Rue Morgue, because this totally feels like that kind of that kind of film. Uh, OK, so we just talked a lot, a like, lot like that was a we talked a lot about the divide. What, what are there? You, there's so a lot you, to I'm say a about three the and divide. a half. Are you going to give it three? I'm giving it a three. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Richard, um, I just want to uh, shout out to you. Thank you so much for suggesting this movie. It may not be the my favorite thing in the world. Um, I'm so happy I watched it. And I can't like what a perfect suggestion. If you can reach out and let us know what you thought of the movie, Richard, um, we will gladly next time we record when we're back from our little vacation, um, we can include that in the episode, I think. And I just want everybody to listen to know um, we are on Facebook quite often. And if you do have some recommendations that you want to send our way, we are absolutely open to trying them like we did with Richard's recommendation this time. And we're always looking for new things to watch. So if you have something you want to hear us talk about for like way longer than expected, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, maybe send us a good one on Facebook until then next time. 
we are going to watch the first episode of Rami. And Rami Hassan is a first-generation Egyptian-American who is on a spirited journey in his politically divided New Jersey neighborhood. That sounds really interesting right now. So we're going to take a look at uh, Rami. If you want to watch the first episode with us, it's R-A-M-Y. And that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. And please be sure to tune in again soon when we're back from our little vacation. If you'd like to support the show, you can hop on to your podcast service and subscribe. And if you're really feeling generous, give us a quick rating or review. Our intro song comes from bensound.com. And please check out our show notes for more info on our music, our talented voice actors, and our sound effects. Ivana and I love hearing from you. So we built a website on how you can reach us at morethemovies.net. But in case you hate websites, we also have an email. Hello at morethemovies.net. You can find us on Facebook, More Than Movies Podcast. Or catch us on Twitter directly. I'm at It's Ivana. I'm at Jester J. Thanks again for spending some time with us. We'll be back again soon. And until next time, friends. Do more. And watch more. (laughs) 